We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone. If only you had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I love the book, The Power Broker, the epic biography of former New York City planner Robert Moses. So I'm breaking it down 100 pages at a time and talking to special guests about why this book matters, like Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I actually think if it wasn't for Robert Moses, I probably wouldn't have run for Congress. Listen to 99% Invisible's breakdown of The Power Broker every month on the 99% Invisible podcast feed. Irvin, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so happy to be I, here. You're probably one of the most like fascinating people and not because, not because of, it's just like your life. It's just so fun to watch on social media and you've done so many wonderful, cool things to get you to where you are today. And now you have so many businesses that you're running and you're really inspiring. And so you. I, from afar, <laughs> I've just been like such a super fan. And so I'm so excited that you're here today. And that I now live in Nashville and I know now we can actually be best friends. I know. I'm so excited. Not just digitally, but in yes. real life. Yes. <laughs> I know, because we had a lot in common. Yes. Uh, really. That literally we have a lot in common. Oh, <laughs> uh-huh. We're already on the same wavelength. So So I'm um, so excited to talk about we were briefly talking right before about how I kind of had like this big show that kind of like mm-hmm. made everything go like skyrocket but you we've done a lot of similar things mm-hmm. in the past mm-hmm. and you've like really built this amazing oh. community um but I think it all starts from some of the things that we all we did in our past mm-hmm. you're from Kentucky mm-hmm. when did you come here um so I went to college in Tennessee like an hour and a half okay from here but I was coming back and forth to Nashville like weekly for voice lessons from the time I was 10. So Nashville was always in my life. But okay. moved, moved here after college in 2009, I think. Okay. So I've been here a long time. Yeah. So wait, how cl- Kentucky's above Tennessee. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I have to do it too, Hannah. It's okay. How, how long is that drive? It's like two hours and 15 minutes. So every Wednesday, okay. my grandparents would pick me up from like our little school and they would bring me here and I would do a one hour voice lesson. We would go to eat at like Ruth Chris or Amerigo's, which was oh, so fancy. fancy. <laughs> <laughs> and then we go back to Kentucky and it was so special because I'm the oldest of 23 first cousins that like all lived on this farm together. And my grandparents were in the middle. Like and a like, compound. Ooh, it was like a compound. But I got to get off the compound like <laughs> once a week for voice lessons. And it was it was a really special time. It was a time that I fell in love with Nashville. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny all these years later that this is. Did you know you we were, were going to be here? 
Um, like, I was always drawn to Nashville yeah. because it's like a southern big city. Yes. You That's know? why I'm glad to be here. Yeah. And once you live in this, when you're from the South, I mean, I, I love the North and the South, but there is something about Southerners that I feel like are always drawn to those Southern cities. And and then when you get like kind of big time in the, in the <laughs> South, like you did, you know, it's like, we'll just move to a big city, yeah. but so, a Southern city. It just feels like home. I love bit. it. I love it. I mean, yeah. for me, I thought. I always was like, I've, I want to get out. But when I thought out, it was either like Nashville, Atlanta, mm-hmm. Charleston. Like I still kind of yeah. wanted to be here, but had that experience that I did have out in Los Angeles. Well, I think yeah, was, you lived in California. You really went I really time, did Anna. it. I mean, I went from Tuscaloosa, <laughs> Alabama. Roll Tide. <laughs> to Los Angeles. Roll Tide. Yes, I, I dated it. a boy. Oh, Kyle's going to love it that I talked about this. I dated a boy that played football at Alabama. No way. So I spent a lot of time in Tuscaloosa. Fun he was place. very sweet, but it just wasn't going anywhere really. Yeah. But, you know, I, I I loved my time at Alabama. And you got to go to all the football games? Oh, yeah. It's, it is so I, fun. I was a big Alabama fan. And then it made all my family Alabama fans. No And then way. I married a man who played rugby at Tennessee and was like, you got to stop with the Roll Tide. <laughs> I was like, whatever. Fine. Well, okay. it's, it's football season. We can watch watch a game. Maybe yeah, we'll we can get watch a game yet. together. Okay. You started out in pageants. I would say, I mean, I feel like that's how mm-hmm. it – do you feel like that's how it all started or do you feel like singing? I think that it started for me before. I was always an entertainer. And you okay. know how being from a small town when you are like the little star in the small town, yeah. it really like – it became part of who I was. Mm-hmm. And I loved being on stage and singing. I mean, I started doing talent shows and – you know, being on stage when I was six years old. And from the time I graduated college at like, or high school at 18, um, it, it was like cemented in who I was. I loved being on stage. I loved performing. And, you know, I wasn't, I think that you started pageants before. I did. Pageants were really a whim for me. One day randomly, my dad was like, you should be Miss America. And it was kind of jarring. I mean, my sister had always done like county fair pageants, little festival, mm-hmm. hometown things, but I, I was never into them. It was just never my thing. And I was like, I'm five feet tall. Like I wasn't what I thought the pageant girl was supposed to be. Just mm-hmm. like so many people that are outside of pageant yeah. systems think. So um, the more research I did, I realized like 35% of the score was talent. It's like, I got that. 25% of the score was interview. I was like, I got that. And I'm at 60%. Yep. I can figure out the rest of it. So I um, I competed my first year. I think I was a senior in college. I had no idea what oh, I was wow. doing. Yeah. Oh, I mean the first. Oh, it was every, really the first bad. time that I competed in a pageant you, when it's it's all the things when it's the talent, the swimsuit, the uh-huh. the interview. It's a di- it was bad. Yeah, I think it just is bad. The first and then we year. figured it out. And then you're like, oh, so mm-hmm. this is ha- what this is what we wear. This is what we say. This yeah. is what type of talent uh-huh. song you sing or you dance to it's a whole different ball game than yeah. just like a talent show mm-hmm. or even like Miss America like um a beauty contest I mean yes. it is a full package deal and there's it like really is there's a look to the package yeah, too. there's a look to the package yeah. and you know I the first year that I did it like I said I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't have any help because mm-hmm. you know once you get in the system then everybody kind of sinks their yes. hands into you and and molds you into like what they want you to be. But I, uh, the first year I, in the Miss Kentucky pageant, sang Rocky Top Tennessee. Like that's how aloof I was <laughs> to the things I was supposed to do. And I wore like a black velvet stirrup pantsuit with like a green sequined, oh, double like- shoulder padded. And it wasn't 1989. It was 20, <laughs> it was like 
the 2008s. <laughs> like, it was whatever. I figured it out. So that first year, I made the top 10 in Miss Congeniality. Second year, I, I was fourth runner-up. And the second year, I, I, like, really wanted to win. Yeah. And I really did everything that everybody told me to do. And the thing that I figured out between the second and third year, which is the year that I won, is, you know, so many people that were telling me what to do in these pageants had never even done a pageant. Mm, a lot yeah. of them were men. Yep. And I loved them. <laughs> I mean, they were awesome. But, you know, they told me the dress I wanted to wear was not the dress that you were supposed to wear. And I never said to myself, well, have you, have you ever been in a pageant? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you just listen to the people. And I, um... I was molded into a really pretty form, but it just wasn't who I was. Mm -hmm. And the last year that I competed was the year that I won. And it was my last year that I was going to age out. And you know, like the pressure on you when you're going to age out yeah. is so, it's so heavy. And I almost lost my mind, like spiraling before the pageant, just because pressure, I mean, can, can, you can crumble under the weight of the world. I feel like, you know, oh, yeah. especially in these pageants when you're, it's really supposed to be like. You're supposed to have it all together. And now that I've been on the other side of it and like, you know, I'm t 10 or 12 years removed from it. Mm -hmm. And I look at these girls on stage. I just sang it, Miss Kentucky. I always pick the ones that look like they're having fun. Yeah. And that seem comfortable in their dresses and that don't feel, I don't feel like they're holding their breath on stage. And I, um, you know, sometimes in life and in pageants and everywhere, it's like the answer is right in front of you of, oh, I should do this. And sometimes the answer is so much easier. So much easier. But it just takes a roundabout way of finding out, like, that you need to do that. And oh, and I went straight back at Miss USA being like, everybody do something me for back. me. <laughs> Where are you? So it's been a life lesson through um, well after that of yeah. when I'm my authentic self, I feel like that's when I like, really shine. But then there's always this loop of, oh, but I'm looking at this person. This is how they did this thing. So then I try to change myself. And then, of it's course, hard. it doesn't work. You know, I mean, comparison, you and I have a lot of similarities. Mm -hmm. I, anybody that signs up for a pageant, I bet, has a lot of the Mallory and Hannah mm -hmm. things. I mean, you are an overachiever, I'm sure, a perfectionist, a woman that compares and a people pleaser, like yeah. to attend, because I am too. Mm -hmm. I know you because I am. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, I had my own journey. Like I majorly crumbled under the weight of my success too. Mm -hmm. Luckily, not like super, super publicly mm -hmm. um, because I was kind of like coming off of all of that. But that is when my life like shifted and turned. And, you know, I look back on those times and just truly like crumbling under the weight of all of that. And it taught me my, my greatest lessons. Mm -hmm. I mean, and brought me to where I am, but you know, and now like having a daughter, I think I'm cognizant of when I start the perfectionism and the people pleasing and that's, it's, it's really hard not to like fall into old patterns when mm -hmm. it's who you've been your whole entire life. And when it's like who people really loved you yeah. as, you know, they, your town, I'm sure Tuscaloosa really was so proud of you. Oh yeah. And then they're like, so what is she doing? Perfect and cute, you know? And <laughs> they, yeah. they probably have loved me then been like, what is she doing? And I think maybe now they're I'm like, sure all right, always she's, loved you, she's back. She's back. <laughs> um, but before you got into pageants, do you feel like you all already kind of had that, all the makings of people pleasing, perfectionist, loving to be the star, but with being the star comes all the pressure. And do you feel like that was 
how your family like was that your role in the family yeah well so I was um not only was I a singer in my in this tiny town Mm -hmm. but I like I said I grew up on this farm with all of these first cousins and I was the oldest of all 23 so it was like I had 23 younger siblings Mm -hmm. so I was always the role model I was always like you know straight valedictorian and Mm -hmm. and the, the role model and the performer and all of the things and and I didn't feel a lot of pressure as a young child though I I put a lot of pressure on myself, but I like to achieve Mm -hmm. and I felt good achieving. And I didn't feel like love was held from me if I didn't achieve. My parents were not ever like, you have to make straight A's or else. They were, um, they really like fostered the things that we were good at. I mean, my sister made like B's and C's. She was smarter than me, but like, we just all kind of had different rules. You know, my, um, all of that was Mm self-inflicted, I think with me. But I just felt the need to be that person. I, and I, like I said, I liked being that person. And for me, you know, Hannah, it, it wasn't until, you know, Miss Kentucky and Miss America, I really started feeling the pressure of, for me, it was like, what's next? How can I top this? People How are watching me. This? They're yeah. so proud. It's, it's so fun doing these types of things. And how can I continue to top this? Because in 20, or gosh, what year was it? In 2010, right after Miss America, I was cast for The Amazing Race, which is, you know, reality TV. You and I both had this yes. experience. Was that because you were? Yes, because I could not yeah. contain my emotions on the stage yes. that I was cast? Probably, yes. Um, so that's when someone called me about it. And then my dad and I went through the process because I picked my dad to be my partner. It was his favorite show. And so, you know, I come off the Miss America. I was runner up in 2010 Miss America. Mm-hmm. And then went straight into, before I even gave up my crown as Miss Kentucky to The Amazing Race, came straight off of that season, and they called me back for an all-star season. It's very similar to your journey. Because I was, when I went on The Bachelor, I was still Miss Alabama. Exactly. And then they called you back again. Yep. Yeah, come on back. (laughs) So we did the all-star season, Mm -hmm. and um, that was all within one year. Mm -hmm. So here I am, you know, you can turn on your TV and and watch me in any array of things mm-hmm. and it was that was when things kind of started to spiral for me because i just felt so much pressure to like be that person yeah. i just felt like i was disappointing everyone i totally get it and it wasn't that you even like these opportunities were coming to you in a way and i yeah. felt i think for me i know that like your faith's important to you i was like okay, God, you keep opening up these doors. Like I want to, I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. And I also like to perform. So Mm -hmm. this, this is fun for me, but, um, that much, uh, attention eyes on you in a year being coming from being a small town girl from Alabama, Kentucky, where, yeah, you can be like the big fish in the small pond, but now everybody can turn on their TVs and watch you. Yeah, That is really hard. I think for anybody. Yeah. To not have some type of come down or be fiending for the next, Bigger what's thing. next? Oh, yeah. I've done this, so I've got to yeah. do better. Yes. And I just wanted to be, I I didn't when Miss America or Miss USA, that was like my first thing of like, mm-hmm. I thought that's how I was going to get out. Yeah. I love, I mean, I love being from Tuscaloosa, but I always did think I was special. Yeah. Well, you I, were special. But You are, yeah. Yeah. But like, did yeah. you feel that? Like that you... Felt like you were meant to do something. Oh, I knew you... I wasn't going to live in my hometown. Yeah, yeah. I always thought so, I always thought I would sing country music. Yeah, that's what I always thought that I would do. Pageants took me in another direction, and it's great. I love what I do now mm-hmm. is the dream job because I can do. If I want to sing out, tomorrow, I yeah. can sing tomorrow. Now I have an audience to where I can put out a product. Mm-hmm. I can do a brand deal. I can I can do whatever I want. 
Um, that's the beauty of an online, you know, audience and followers mm -hmm. and community. Community is what I call mine yeah. because they truly are backing everything that I do at this point because they're so amazing. But you know where things shifted for me, and I'm sure that they shifted for you, was everybody from my hometown, they and, and probably people in your hometown, like they know you. Mm -hmm. And like when people know you, have opinions about you, they feel like kind of justified. But it's when you get on a larger stage and you're being like flooded with opinions and people that like they've never met you. Mm -hmm. And when they're – especially when they're wrong, even though people's opinions are not supposed to be our business, like – Let's get real. It's really hard to look away yeah. from that. Did that start on Amazing Race or would you say? I would say like, yeah, during pageants and stuff mm -hmm. like that, during Amazing Race, it was even more because, you know, like reality TV, like it really comes with a fan base that has a lot of opinions and oh, a lot of reality TV fans. They are obsessed and I'm so thankful for Bachelor Nation. Yeah. But if they don't like you. They don't like you yeah. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Or if they're upset with something that you did or just decide that you're not the person that they're rooting for, you can really feel it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so hard, especially like, I mean, you were, you were young. I was young. Mm -hmm. I was in my 20s and, and um, it, it was, it was hard. And I, I didn't have things eventually that felt as big that people were as proud of. And that's where I just started kind of pulling back. Mm -hmm. And I started just being disappointed in myself. And I started, you know, I developed a prescription pill addiction like during that time too. And I, um, that was where my life really shifted mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And looking back on it, it, it made me who I am. It's the platform for everything that I do now. So I'm, I'm really glad that it happened, honestly. But it's hard when you're going through it. Absolutely. Sure. I want to go back to just because I think Amazing Race is like the coolest show ever, what that experience was like. And do you think, what was that like doing it with your dad? Oh my gosh, amazing. Well, you're close to your dad too. So yeah, but you know. we butt heads. I don't know how you and your. Well, I will say they give a family a good edit always. Yeah. Because like everybody <laughs> likes watching a family, you know, it's, yes. it's, they always come together. They do not, if you're a dating couple, like you're thrown to the wolves for sure. But oh, I do yeah. feel like, um, you know, they're, they're a little bit easier. So you probably would have been fine. But my dad is like salt of the earth, humble, very soft spoken, like this great guy. But he also is like such a bad A. Yeah, he is. Was that before? You have to tell he people about your dad. Been, in, in a lot of different ways. I mean, he built a humongous, successful family business from nothing at all. You know, he, he, he's a really cool guy. Now he's, you know, climbing all the mountains. I mean, he's one of however, a handful of people in the history of the world that's done what he's, he's done with these mountains at yes. his age. It's wild. Americans take about 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors. The indoor air that we breathe can be up to 100 times more polluted than outdoor air, according to the EPA. Indoor air pollutants can cause respiratory symptoms like sneezing, congestion, scratchy throat, and even more serious health problems like lung and heart disease. So what's the solution? Introducing Air Doctor, the air purifier that filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants so your lungs don't have to. This includes allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. So I love my Air Doctor air purifier. I am a big proponent of an air purifier because I have had 
all different things from just the living environment that I'm being in, having mold, um, and sometimes not knowing it to also just like having everyday allergies. Um, an air purifier is so important and I love the air doctor one air doctor comes with a 30 day money back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code Hannah B and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers exclusive to podcast customers. You will also receive a free three year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock the special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code Hannah B. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I have been in a really awesome season, but also a season that has been pretty stressful. There's been a lot going on. Um, I can see where some of those things that really keep me grounded. Um, I have not been able to make time for and not know how to do that. And so it's been weighing on me a little bit. And look, we all carry around different stressors that can be big or small, but when we keep them bottled up and don't talk about like what's going on in our life, it can really affect us negatively. So therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest to really talk about what you're going through and figure out a way to work through whatever that is that's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no just charge if like you're just not feeling that connected with somebody you can always try it again get it off your chest with better help visit betterhelp.com slash tomorrow today to get 10% off your first order that's betterhelp help.com slash tomorrow today is about looking for new ways to better ourselves but sometimes that means looking in a totally different place or even a different state In South Dakota, travel is transformative. It's good for the soul. It's the kind of place to just let go, to escape from routine and predictability of life, to put down the phone and pick up a sense of adventure and to see the world a little bit differently, as in not through our screen. Life in South Dakota is about unplugging from it all and connecting with the world around you. It's about being open to real surprises and treating your senses to a real, raw, natural beauty that doesn't need a filter. Whether you're exploring the mountains and trees of the Black Hills, hiking through the Badlands, navigating the wild towns, or camping under the stars, South Dakota is the place to get a little lost and find yourself along the way. See why there's so much South Dakota, so little time at TravelSouthDakota.com. I think having somebody like that, like as your father, like yes. it makes you feel like you can do anything. Yeah. Well, he never stops either. Yeah. He just always keeps like really challenging himself and really reinventing himself. I feel like I've reinvented myself a lot. I feel like you mm-hmm. have too. And I think a lot, I think a lot of people are really scared to reinvent themselves because they've gone so far down one path mm-hmm. or they've gone to school for something or everybody thinks that they should be this, but I mean, this is it, you know, mm-hmm. this is our, this is our life. life. And it's yeah. like, you know, continue to reinvent yourself. It's so, it, it revives my soul every time I feel like I jump into something new. I mean, mm-hmm. I, uh, I think I did get that from him mm-hmm. and I'm thankful. And even though it drives us nuts when he wants to climb Mount Everest at almost 70, it is who he is. And it is why a lot of us are the way that we are. Yeah. I'm sure. It's yeah. really inspiring. Um, but I think with that, like you said, it's like, if you don't stop, if they're always trying to chase something, 
what happens when it does stop? And mm-hmm. I think that is where I've also had my own journey with that. But that's kind of where your turning point started right after Amazing Race, yes. right? Uh-huh. Well, a few years after, yeah. You, you're like on this high and then what happened? I just felt like, um, so after the second season of Amazing Race, I did, you know, d- different things here and there. I did some um, travel show pilots and I lived like, in what Malta. What did you want to do? I didn't know what yeah. I wanted to do. Um, and I think that's part of the problem because mm-hmm. we think we're supposed to like know all the time. When in reality, you can just do something. It doesn't have to be what you keep doing for four years. You can you can just pick something and do it, yeah. you know? But I think especially as like young women, men are probably like this too. You think you have to have it all figured out and like here's the next step that I'm going to take and this is what I'm going to do. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I also felt like the thing that I was going to do had to be really public yep, and, and big, big and shiny. Mm-hmm. and Or I just felt like I was stepping back for me, for everybody else. And, um, you know, something that was once such a great thing. I mean, I, essentially, I achieved all my goals by 26. I didn't have anything else that I needed to check Even off the list. Goals I didn't know. I, I felt, I mean, mine was at like 26 too. Yeah. It was like all these, my life went in this direction I could have never imagined. Mm-hmm. I think probably for you too, it's mm-hmm. not like you like wake up one day and like, no. I'm going to go an amazing race three mm-hmm. times. Three times. <laughs> <laughs> and be Miss Kentucky. Yeah. All within like a matter of like two years. It's same like I could have never dreamt this up. And you feel all this like rush of emotion and achievement. And then that wasn't even the plan. And then you're like, oh, but wait, what is my plan? So mm-hmm. what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. That is really hard. But like you said, I think maybe people don't have to do the extremes of what we did. I think when you've accomplished whatever that goal is yeah. early, it can feel a little confusing to know which way to take the next step. Yeah. And so I think for me, and I don't know if you would say this, but like I felt stuck. I didn't know yes, what to do. Yes. Yeah. I froze too, probably. Yeah. But I also was real scrambly. So I was just trying to make do, something work, make something work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after you come off of a high, especially like a public high, everybody's waiting in the wings for you to What's come next? off the stage and yeah. be like, hey, let me sign you up for this. Let me sign yeah. you up. You know, it's like, what am I supposed to do? What's the right path? I don't know. And I did some like hits and misses. I filmed some pilots of different things and I did, you know, appearances here, here and there. And um, for the next few years, I just felt like I was just starting to spiral mm-hmm. and like starting to just feel like this isn't who I am. And then meanwhile, you know, I had, we were talking about ADHD, you know, I was, um, I was given a prescription to a medication for an, a disorder that I did not have. And then I got addicted to that yeah. and then I couldn't sleep. And then I got addicted to sleeping pills and it really, um, it was really bad. Mm-hmm. And I almost died. And um, my life really took a turn then when I went to a treatment center. And if you would have told me standing on the Miss America stage in 2010, in a few years, this is where you're going to end up. I would have said you've, that's the wrong crystal ball. Like, that's not me. No way. I'm the perfect role model for women as Miss Kentucky. (laughs) It's so funny because someone asked me yesterday, what was my onstage question? And I said, you know what it was? It was about illegal drug use 
in baseball. And do you know what I said on that stage? I stood up there and I was like, well, I would just hope if you were putting that opportunity that you would make the right decision and you would set a good example. And I ended up in rehab three years later. I mean, you just never know. You never like, know what somebody's going you through too. Know and yeah. What path you are going to go on in your life. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think that would be my path, but honestly, Hannah, looking back on all the wonderful things that I did, one of the most wonderful things I ever did in my life, not just to save my life, but was the work I did in this treatment program because it made me a different kind of Mm -hmm. person. And it stripped away every bit of, I was clinging on for dear life to all those titles. Mm -hmm. I mean, you and I didn't even have to introduce ourselves. When we walked into a room, like we have a banner on that tells you who we are. I mean, in a crown. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm a queen. <laughs> but like when you have to give the crown to someone else, it's like. Then you're not. <laughs> Do you remember? <laughs> remember me? You know, <laughs> it's, um, it, it took me a long time to strip away all those things. But when I left that program, I was just like the bare bones, most grounded version of myself that I'd ever been in my life. And I still feel like I'm a version of that, not attached to all those things. but. I do get reattached mm-hmm. sometimes to things, but I'm I'm aware when I do. To be exposed to how to even be able to strip away. Yeah. I think for me as well, I think for a lot of people, sometimes it takes you like hitting that yes. that place where there's there's only up. Yes. But that's a not a fun journey there. No, but, it's not. And like you, you know, but rock bottom is a beautiful thing. Because, you know, if you've got a great family around Mm -hmm. you or a community, that's where people step in and help you up. Yeah. And I think that, and I wrote about this in in my book, I think the worst spot to be is where you're just, you don't hit rock bottom, where you're unhappy with your life Mm -hmm. and the direction that it's gone. And you wake up every day feeling like, is this it? Mm -hmm. You don't like your job or you don't get, your relationships aren't great. When you're just kind of like mediocre. Because that's that's not the glaring red flag of you need to go to treatment program where you do the work. And I think people live so much of their lives in that mediocre, I'm fine being fine state. And so for me, I may have ended up like that had I not reached rock bottom. Yeah, that's so true. And had to get admitted somewhere. I mean, I I was also the queen of rehab though too. <laughs> I was a queen of rehab. Everybody knew me at the rehab. Everybody did. You know, you never really like lose that part of you, but you don't become as attached to it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's okay to to know that you're special and you shine, but that doesn't have to be attached to anything other than like that you're like, that's who God made you to be. Yes. But it's not because he gave you a a crown and a sash Mm -hmm. or put you in front of a a screen. But when you start getting attached to those things, mm-hmm. that's what the world says yeah. makes you special yes. and shiny. And like regular everyday life makes up a lot of our time mm-hmm. on earth. So if you become so attached to this big, sparkly, shiny, I am Hannah, I am Mallory, these are the things that I do. Like when you get into the phase of your life where it's so much of like the mundane if you can't feel yourself and you can't fall in love with those days too, then, I mean, you're going to end up having a problem or you're going to be dissatisfied mm-hmm. with your life. And like being dissatisfied with your life is so awful. I, I, I don't want that for anyone. Mm-hmm. I want everyone to love their, love their lives. And if you don't love your life, I want you to work to, to get to the place to where you need to be to love your life. Mm-hmm. Everybody can get to that place, I believe. Yeah. 
um, we were talking about this actually last night. It's like money success will not make an already unhappy person happy. Mm -hmm. I think if you are happy and things come into your life, that's just an ad, it's an additive, but yeah. those things don't make you happy. It's, yeah. I mean, for me, I struggle with that. I'm like, oh, but I want this or I want this to be successful. I want to create this and look at this person that's done that. Or I'm like, I want a beautiful home one mm -hmm. day. And it's like, but that's not going to make me happy. Mm -mm. That'll be additive to my life. Mm -hmm. But I look around and like, when I really think I'm like, I am so grateful. I have literally everything I need. I love the home that we have here. Mm -hmm. I'm in a great relationship. I have the cutest dog ever. <laughs> I, I get to wake up every morning and I can, my body works and I can move it. And because of the cold plunges, because I'm of sure. the cold plunge. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, it's, it's been like, it's something that I really struggled with actually lately, but it's just like, I do have, have learned some techniques from having harder times in the past yeah. of being able to change my mindset. Yeah. And also like having hard times, you realize, like I used to like hold my breath that something bad was going to happen all yeah. the time and feel so scared. But then once you have a knockdown drag yeah. out with life, you're like, oh, I lived. Yeah. I lived to see the next day that I thought there was no way I was going to live to see. For and then sure. you know, like you can make it through. You can make it through. Like you're going to live through it and it's going to be okay. And isn't it? Okay. I don't know if you feel this way. But if you lived your life for so long trying to be, like, the best in this, like, role model that didn't mess up at all, once you have, like, you're honest with yourself, with other people, and there's really no way to hide it, there's almost this, like, relief that you have. And I think other people are actually even more drawn to you mm -hmm. because you're a real human. Well, and everyone's like that. And everyone is actually like yeah. that. But we were trying so hard. <laughs> we didn't know. I guess we didn't realize. I thought we thought we thought the only two people that – Needed to really have it all together. Yeah. You know, it's, yes, it is a relief. I and agree with you. I think it, I mean, I think that's why people, like, that's why I know that I love seeing your journey because you're honest about that it's not always like this or like you are so grateful. Mm -hmm. You are so blessed for the, the way things have happened in your life. Yeah. But it's not like this, like, line straight to success. Yes. There's like some ups and downs and in between. Yes. Can you explain, like, what was it like when you're like, okay this is actually really serious and I need help. Yeah. So, and like, you know, if you've done any sort of education as a family around addiction, I didn't believe it until I was in active addiction. There was nothing I could do to control the use of those pills. There was nothing. I knew it. I knew it was going to kill me. I would go to the doctor's office because I was like always going to different doctors. And I had a doctor look at me and say, I don't know what you're doing but it's going to kill you. You're going to die. And I walked out of that doctor's office and I kept doing it. Like I just, there is nothing that you can do. I think that I wish that so many families that give up on their family members before they make it into treatment. Cause I think that people think it's just uh they're just making wrong choices or they just don't care about us or they're just selfish. There's nothing, a true addiction. It is like, I can't describe it. There's nothing you can do to stop it. And for me also, back to the people pleasing, the people see me as this person, I, I knew I was going to die. I, my body was shutting down. Like I could feel it every day. I felt like it was just shutting down. And I was also a shell of a human being. I didn't even feel like myself anymore. I wasn't you thinking working? clearly. You? Yeah, I was working like here and there, but and hiding it well. Not like a nine to five job where the same people were seeing me. It was mm -hmm. really scattered. So 
I could kind of keep it under the radar. But um, I knew that if I didn't figure out how to get my health right, that I was going to die. But I thought to myself, I was like, I've lived a really good life and I think I would rather die than people find out what's happening and that I'm like addicted to prescription pills. And I think that that's the state that a lot of people get in with that. And it's a blessing a lot of times when people end up in a hospital or like with a legal problem Mm -hmm. or their family step in because they get help or they get the opportunity to get help. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody doesn't come out of it sober, but I, all I needed was the opportunity. And like, I wanted to feel like myself again. I can remember Mm -hmm. after being there for like two or two weeks or so, like when you feel this like veil lifted, like you feel joy, not chemically manufactured. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just, you feel like your soul come alive again. And so, yeah, that's what it meant for me. Like when I thought I was going to die, I thought I was going to die. And I was like, this must be my path. And I've had a really great life. And, you know, I, um, I'm very religious also, and I lived um, on Music Row in Nashville, which is close to the church that I went to. And I used to run to my church every day, and I would, like, say a rosary on the way. And then I would go into this church, and I would light a candle. Lighting candles has always been, like, this big thing, like prayers mm-hmm. in the Catholic church, or a lot of churches actually do, like, candles and stuff like that. And I would light this candle, and I would, like, kneel on this. It was, like, marble floors, and I would kneel down. It was, like, so cold on this floor. And I can just remember saying, like, just help me, like, help me. I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, just take this out of me. You know, you gave me so much and I feel like I've ruined everything. And I almost feel like, like, even I was disappointing God at that point. I was even embarrassed to say prayers because I was like, look at all the things you gave me and look at what I did with it. I just felt so just ashamed, just like I'd like squandered everything. Mm -hmm. But, you know, now looking back, I know that, that, that was my life's journey. And it wasn't just like, oh, good. She's made it through and she's sober now. Now she can continue on with her life. It changed everything in my life. It makes me a better wife and a better mom. I mean, Kyle and I were dating when I was in active addiction. So he saw the crazy me, you know, which he was a little crazy too. But I mean, you know, we, we have, we have the most amazing, deep, rich relationship because we went through like the ringer together. Mm -hmm. And now we're like the parents of three. I mean, I just got back from the (laughs) uniform store picking up. We've lived a lot of different life together. And it's so wonderful when you can be in a relationship with someone that's seen all those versions and that's fought for that relationship Mm -hmm. over and over. It makes the richest types of love, I think. But um, yeah, my journey with addiction was not, this was not part of the book I thought I was going to write, but here we are. Was it your family that that did step in? Yeah, yeah. I came home for an event because I was still doing these events because I was still like a little bit shiny on the outside, Mm -hmm. you know? And there was one event that I did in my hometown and my parents were there and they were just like, what is going on? I was just kind of out of it. And they took my keys and no one in my family had ever been to treatment. And I was at my family home and they just started Googling, like, what do you do in this Mm -hmm. situation? And they found a place. And so, yeah, they dropped me off. And um, my mom was really the one that kind of led the charge. My dad, he's a little bit of a blind believer in me. And I was always just like this precious child that could make it through anything. And he felt like he was like abandoning me, you know, leaving me there. Mm. And my mom, when they left me, like felt this sense of relief and they got in the car, they left me and they they say, of course I wasn't in the car. And my mom said, shut the door and was like, I feel so, 
to and just looked at my dad and my dad had tears in his eyes and was like, I feel like I just abandoned my child. Like I want to go back and get her, you <sighs> mm-hmm. know? And so I'm grateful that it happened that way because it was what needed to happen. And I was there for five and a half months. I mean, they didn't let me out after 30 days. They suggested extended <laughs> treatment for me. Yeah. And that was that was where I You're really like, did. Me? I was like, wait. <laughs> You're letting her go. <laughs> and, and I've got to say, and, you know, when I was there for like a couple months, it's actually the story that I opened my book with. Which and I have read half of your book and it's well, so thank good. thank you for reading. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm fin- it's, by, it. it's by my um, bedside table. I wanted to try to finish it before, but, you know, like half is, yeah. But I'm, I'm half. That's I'm great. Half is a lot. It's amazing. But, you know, that first story is mm-hmm. like in treatment. They really knew what they were doing with me because not yeah. only was it getting sober and clean from these substances for me, but it was what's underneath this. Mm-hmm. Just like with your brother. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody has something underneath it that drives them to do this. And so... Um, you know, my hair extensions were falling out. I had these hair extensions that, for 10 years. That was a story. I felt hair. Yeah. I, <laughs> it's part like, of who I was. You, and yeah. they, and you took out all your hair extensions and didn't they mess up your hair color? Well, they, they let me have like an off-campus visit to the yeah. salon. And I thought, this is awesome. I'm doing so great. But really, they knew that this was part of what they needed to do with me. Oh, they did. Mm-hmm. They told you after. I didn't, I didn't. Yeah, they definitely knew what they were doing with me. They're smart. They're smart. For sure. And so I'd never not had hair extensions for 10 years and they were long and blonde and thick. And um, even like, you know, you take them out and you get them put back in. Mm -hmm. And this is just who I was with long blonde hair. And but they were starting to fall out and melt out, you know, my eyelashes were falling off and I was literally falling apart. And so they sent me to this place and they turned my chair around so I couldn't see myself in the mirror when they were taking them out. It took about an hour and a half. And I remember looking at this little silver tray and she'd take one out and put them there. And when she turned my chair around and I looked in the mirror of myself with this like two inch just fried off hair, I had like, when I say a full out of body experience, it's the only time in my life I've ever felt like I actually mm-hmm. had an out of body experience. And like my life flashed before my eyes. It was like I, it was the most bizarre experience, but that is how attached I think I was to this version of who I was and the way that I looked and who I was, that that, that was the m- most ultimate nervous breakdown that I've ever had. And I tried to leave treatment then. I was like, you're like okay, you get us sober, but then like you're going to make me, I'd gained 35 pounds. I was like, I feel disgusting. Like now you make me want to do more things that I wasn't mm-hmm. even, like I just felt worthless. And like I'd never felt like that before mm-hmm. in my life. And it was the it was the lowest of lows that I ever hit. But then that was the process of me just ripping these attachments off. Like that's how attached I was to it. That my lowest point in my life was when they took my hair extensions out. It sounds so silly, it, but, but like it, I, I it think was a lot reality. of women also understand that. It's like we do whatever we can. It's the way that we dress, it's the type of way we do our makeup, it's our hair. And that is like that's who we we are. And if mm-hmm. that is taken away, then it's like, well, then what are, are yeah. we? And I don't think it, it sounds like there's a thing. It's like funny, but it's real like mm-hmm. that. I, I totally, I, I think that was really powerful that you opened well, the, up the book like thanks. that. Thanks. It was, it was a pivotal moment. So <laughs> you're, out, you're out of therapy. How did your life change and how, like, how did you set yourself up for success after, okay, I've been here for five months, but now I'm stepping back into real life. Mm-hmm. How did you honestly like set up the set up the 
steps to get yeah. your life to where you are now, which yeah. is just such a, I love that you tell the story because it's just, people are going to start following you or already follow you and they hear the story and they're like, wow, like you have climbed back up in like this beautiful way, but also like haven't left that girl behind mm-hmm. either. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's so special for people to hear the full rock bottom, but then to hear like now where you are and how did you well, get there thank you. from first day out of treatment. I, uh, and that was the reason that like I am where I am now where I had to tell people the story because I, um, whenever I got out of treatment in like 20, I don't know, 13, I've, it's almost been 10 years. Um, I was good at being on stage and a public person, but everybody around me was like, well, that's what led to this spiral mm-hmm. and downfall. And my mom kept saying, I think you should get a job at at the makeup counter at Nordstrom. And I was like, that is awesome for so many people, mom, but I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to do something else. I wanted to grow. I didn't know in what, but I, I liked like a, being a public person. Mm-hmm. I liked, you know, singing and being on stage and doing things. So I knew I had to have something. And so at at the time, everybody's starting blogs. Blogs were really big. Mm -hmm. So I I was like, I'm going to start a blog. Okay. So I Googled it, how you started. And I started it. That was in July of that year. Three months later, I started a YouTube channel and it really got big. I started making money and like doing brand deals. And it just really like grew from there. But I figured it out. I mean, I didn't have, no one was giving me any money. Like I had to find ways. I was doing people's makeup kind of on the side to try and like make enough money to figure it out. And then I had an old camera that I'd had forever ago. And then I went and bought like a piece of sequin fabric as a backdrop. And I learned how to do YouTube videos and I'll do makeup tutorials and lifestyle things. And it was so different than what I'd ever done before. But I just, like I said, reinvention, like I found a way, found something I liked doing and I continued doing it. And that was in 2013. And then it grew and it grew and it grew. How did it grow? Because I'm just, I know for me, like, I know where my growth came uh-huh. from, but you started. I started at zero followers. Yeah. Because they didn't have Instagram when I did Miss America mm-hmm. or Amazing Race or anything. So I didn't have any platform yeah. at all. And nobody remembers. I mean, people remember you from back then, but they're not looking you up on a social media app, really. A yeah. handful of people are. But um, so I had you know, a thousand followers or what, 2000 followers. Yeah. And it just grew and grew. And I just, um, I think people liked me on YouTube. They liked mm-hmm. the authenticity and the, the, the way that I was doing things. Cause just like my first year in the pageants, I really didn't know, <laughs> you just really didn't know how to do it. Yeah. And it grew and, um, I was always pretty good at business because I'd grown up in a family where they were really intentional teaching us about things like that Mm -hmm. and how to manage yourself and how to negotiate for yourself and how not let people take advantage. But, um, you know, it really just organically grew and there weren't any such things as like giveaways or anything. Mm -hmm. So growth was just really people finding you and following you and and sticking with you and sticking with you and then buying your, from your links, you know, at first, like a lot of people start out, they start out with small brand deals and they start with affiliate links and stuff like that. And that's what keeps you afloat, like mm-hmm. reward style or whatever it is. And then I started the podcast and then I started merch, merchandise about five years ago. And um, and then I wrote two books. It is quite the operation. And now I have um, a great squad team and my husband came over and worked for me. He used to own a ballet company in Nashville and he really came over a few years ago because we had to have someone to like 
help raise our kids while I was working. Mm -hmm. And we knew that was something we wanted to do. And he was, he was the one that he started out. He helped me. He edited my YouTube videos and, you know, Adam's over here rearranging your note cards, you know. So did you have to teach him or was he like, Hey, this thing's doing it out. You're like, but was he like, Hey, you're, you're doing this great, but like, I want to help you or did you start off editing from the beginning? I started off editing from the beginning, but it was, it's hard. It was hard for me to put the, the, the effort in and editing took me like eight hours of video and it was hard, even though luckily I didn't have children at the time. So I had the time to do it, but it just, once I got busier and he was still working at the time and then he would edit at night Mm -hmm. in this little tiny, like carpeted room that we had like in our house and um, and then we just started sharing our life like vlog style mm-hmm. and Kyle was so awkward in our early <laughs> videos. Like he was just not a behind the camera person. He's never been like a person that's gets that kind of, you know, mm-hmm. he didn't, not a stage presence yes. kind of guy. So now he's very comfortable saying, as you say. You found him he has great content. Yeah. Um, but it now is truly like a family business. So yeah. my sister-in-law works for me full time. Kyle, he he does more childcare and then he helps with other different things now. And it's truly like a, it is the modern day family business. It's this is I incredible. Think. Uh-huh. I think out of a lot, I mean, like you've just made something so successful and it started out with a thousand followers. Mm-hmm. I just want people to hear that story because you can do it. Yeah. I think it's a little bit harder now because it is a, I don't know. I don't know if it was saturated there. You I don't. Think, I don't know. I think anybody can do it, Hannah. I think anybody can do it. It drives me insane when people say, oh, well, it must be easy for you because you have a, and I'm like, no, I started at zero. Mm-hmm. I had no platform. You can, anyone can do it. And I, I believe there's still room and mm-hmm. there's still space. And I believe you can have a full blown career with 10 to 20,000 followers. Absolutely. I do. I mm-hmm. think you can make enough money to support yourself and or your family with 20,000 followers if you do. There have been many times in my life where I really thought I could trust my gut, but I definitely shouldn't have. Definitely with a lot of those exes in the past, um, when it comes to that low fuel flashing light on my car, I just always think that it's not really serious. Trust me, it is. I've been on the side of the road way too many times. Probiotics can't help with most of your gut decisions, but if your gut needs a little support, Ritual has your back. Ritual has made a three-in-one supplement with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome, all in one minty capsule and no refrigerator needed. I love my Symbiotic Plus. I take it every day. It is, it's great because it's got all the biotics in it um, for my probiotic. I feel like it's just really helping my gut in all the ways. And actually Ritual even invested in a study modeling the human colon, which showed that Symbiotic Plus significantly increased the microbial diversity and the growth of beneficial bacteria. We love that. We love when the thing's actually doing the work that we need it to for our gut. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash Hannah B. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash Hannah B for 25% off. Real change happens when you're consistent and achieving the hair of your dreams is no exception. Thanks to Vegamore, sticking to your hair routine has never been easier. So you actually see the results you've always wanted. 
When it comes to seeing results, the key is consistency, y'all. With a monthly subscription to Grow Hair Serum, Vegamore makes it easy to stay consistent. Plus, you save more and never run low on the products you need to take care of your hair. Vegamore products are 100% cruelty-free and never formulated with potentially harmful chemicals like parabens or hormones. For the best results, use a minimum three months for visibly fuller, healthier, and thicker-looking hair. Fun fact, Vegamore sells one bottle of Grow Hair Serum every 15 seconds on their website. That's how good this stuff is. You guys know I love Vegamore so much. I have seen so much improvement in my hair because of using their products. They really are that great. Um, I like the Grow Hair Serum because I can use it on my hair when it's wet or dry. So it just helps me stay consistent depending on if it's a wash day or not. Elevate your hair wellness routine this year with Vegamore. For a limited time, get 20% off your first subscription order by going to vegamore.com slash Hannah B and use code Hannah B at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash Hannah B. Use code Hannah B to save 20% on your first order. Right. Last, last thing, your book is called Living Fully. Your brand is Living mm-hmm. Fully. I love, I love, I love everything about Thank you. Living Fully, what you've created in that. What do you think Living Fully is and how can somebody start doing that today? I think that Living Fully is different in every um, stage of my life. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm running a big business and I have young children. So with me, for me right now, like living fully is balance. Mm-hmm. So living fully is balancing out all these really exciting things. And in our business, it's like the sky's the limit. Mm-hmm. Like you, the more work you do, the more you can do. And it's hard as an overachiever to like say, this is my ceiling. Mm-hmm. But your kids are only young once and like I feel so much fulfillment when I am like just in it with my family. Mm -hmm. So right now that's what living fully is to me is finding balance and not letting the overachiever, like I want to do more and more, more side, like run the show because like I love my family Mm -hmm. and like this stage of our lives and being in this new home with a new baby and girl who's so freaking cute. girl. I got a girl. <laughs> I love my boys, but I was, I just, there's you know. There's just something about. There's something so special yeah. about having a girl too. And I think that um, living fully for me is being like, well, these are all the things that I prayed for and wished for and begged for and wanted and saw in my life. And I got them. And as a person that like loves a big life and the loud and sparkly and shiny I'm also like the person that needs to the most be like, these are all the things that I prayed for and I got them. And like, let's live enjoy it. them. Yeah. Let's live life fully like right now where we are mm-hmm. in it. And so that's what it is for me right now. But w- constantly it's reassessing my life and like seeing where I need to shift things and and make changes so that I can live a big life and not be on cruise control and just like taking a back seat kind mm-hmm. of in my own life. Um, so that was a long answer. I, mean, I love you can it. Just read, you can read my book if you want to know <laughs> specifically the steps. Yes, but. read. Your, your book is so great. I'm so excited for what you have coming out mm-hmm. soon. I'm excited yeah. to hear more about it for other people too. Yes. But um, I just love how you share your life, your family online. And I think it's really inspiring for other people to Thank see you. how – what you've done 
what you've gone through and how you continue to live life in the fullness that it's meant to be lived. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you for thank coming you. on the pod. This is so nice. I knew Woo-hoo. I was going to love you in real life. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Better Tomorrow. Please make sure to follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you don't miss an episode. In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash Hannah B and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way we can bring the advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash H-A-N-N-A-H-B. Thanks for your help.